And welcome back to a brand new episode of Wrestling with Romance. You already know who it is. It's one of your co-hosts, Life of Dean. And uh, this week, we have a really fun episode. We have me and Jack talking a little bit about dating advice, you know, from two different perspectives. We get a little bit into full gear, especially that amazing death match between Hangman and Swerve. I also talk about some of the things I've seen online post-match that's been on my heart. <clears throat> Jack gets into a few things that's been on his heart as well. And we actually break down a fantasy booking that was sent in by a listener. So I hope you guys love it and love and enjoy what we got coming for you this episode. Next week, we're going to do the WCW review. We might touch into some things, you know, that may have happened on Survivor Series. Depends. Really depends on if Jack watches it as well. But enough talking. Let's dive straight into the episode. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like kind of the idea of it's cool getting older because you find out what you're passionate about and what you're not passionate about. And you look for the best in people, but aren't surprised when you find the worst. And you're able to uh, figure out where you actually want to put your energy and where it's being wasted. And right now I'm trying to put, not keep throwing good energy after bad and actually find a girl who's going to meet me halfway. Mm. Like I don't, like I've realized like as much fun as it has been the past few years being like the ski coach girls right. want to hook up with. And like, so there's, like, <laughs> it, there's, Ski towns are, are transient. It's just the right. way they are. People come in and they stay for six months and they leave. Um, and, you know, you have your J1 workers. Uh, so every ski mountain has what's called a J1 worker. Right. Who comes in on a J1 visa <clears throat> from a foreign country to a ski mountain, parties for six months, and then parties and works for six months, and then right. their visa runs out and they go back home. And they're the best partiers in the game. Oh, <laughs> uh, holy! When Argentina won the World Cup, oh, was probably was life great. Well, there were so <laughs> many Argentinians that year, and we were all in the like one of the lodges. I like 
I the group really wanted to watch. The kids really <laughs> wanted to watch the World Cup, so I said fine. We hung out and we watched, and then they won. And the Argentinians were refusing to work, <laughs> like until the it's game was over. Yeah, it, it, this is big. This is like <laughs> childbirth. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> oh, dude, they won. And I started jumping up and down, yeah, like we're all gonna get laid. <laughs> uh, oh God! And, and that's been a hoot. And I feel like I've right. brought in, like I, I, I certainly haven't missed out on anything when it comes mm-hmm. to doing that. Like especially being in my early twenties, and now I'm gonna be twenty-seven in a month. Right. And I, I would really like someone to to meet my energy and actually build a relationship with like I, i've been in one long-term relationship in my life yeah it, um, and it was wonderful she mm-hmm. absolute doll it didn't work out we were long distance you know things happen of course um and since then i've been single and besides that you know my friends nicknamed me 60 day simon in college because nothing was able to get longer. <laughs> okay, there's no need to laugh that hard about it. <laughs> I'm not laughing that hard. It's just like when you say 60 days time and it's like, God damn. Yeah, I was in four relationships in college and they all lasted 60 days, more or less. I think in five years I was in two, but yeah, four. How many years were you in college for? Four. So, uh, so a relationship a year. Yeah, that was the average. I don't think I got into a relationship though until my sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Years freshman. <laughs> uh, yeah, freshman years. Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Right. You're like an inflatable tube man running around like. <laughs> and I was in that long term relationship. That was after college. This was like right. three years ago. Yeah. And. Mm. And now I've fumbled so many baddies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It means nothing to me. And, well, and I don't... Like, I just want somebody to ask me how my day was at the end of it when I'm cold and tired and my muscles feel like shit because I've been seven days on snow for the... Right. You know. I can I understand, man. Like, honestly, you know, I'm kind of, like, on the opposite end of your perspective because... Uh, you know, being 33, about to turn 34 next year. And then I'm in the longest relationship I've ever been in. How long um, have you been, if you don't mind me asking? Right now, we are going on four years and about... Hold on, give me a Presidential second. cycle. Four years, exactly. Four years and five months. Wow. Yeah. I might be off, hold on. No. Four years, uh, seven months. <laughs> seven months. Because I had to think about it. I'm like, we're past the 13th. Yes, four years, seven months. Um, we're approaching five years. I've never been in a relationship this long. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I've, I, you know, being an artist full-time, professionally, uh, relationships so, are difficult. So is it right there on your taxes? Yeah. You know, relationships are difficult, you know, with, with a gig like this. So I see a gig like this living in New York City, um, trying to manage everything. It's it's difficult, but I understand that feeling of just having somebody at the end of the day and wanting that. Now, you may feel like, damn, I fumbled so many. 
But also, it's not a fumble if it's not the thing you're looking for at the end of the day. That's you know, point. yeah. Um, I've and always been. Oh, no, no, go, you ahead. go ahead. I've always been a slow burn person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm like, you know, this is a wrestling podcast, so I'm like a very slow burn heel turn. Like I'm a very <laughs> much like a, I like a slow story. Like I'm not a rusher into things, especially if I like you, like seriously like you, because I do want to get to know you. I do want to show it, but also, you know, we live in a very different age where things are fast paced, quick turnarounds, just like this. But um, one thing I'm, I tell you, like, I've talked to my fair share of people in my life, and sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a blessing in disguise to fumble. Because those people would have just taken your time, and then you would have been maybe a little bit more angry. You would probably felt a little bit more scarred. You might have felt a little bit more, you know rigid to it you know best way i could put it you could watch wwe for so long before you know you end up just being like god damn you (laughs) (laughs) you know it's the same thing with dating like you can become just like this rigid person from being out there dealing with people that doesn't really match your energy or your vision or people that don't actually give a fuck you know yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I am, yeah. I am a very romantic guy, and I never want to lose that spark. Um, yeah, there is. It's like like what you were saying um, about slow burn. I'm I'm the opposite of like I I, I, I told I'm an intense person. This is something I've found out in the past couple of years. I mean. Jack, we've known each other for about five to six months. I know and have experienced your intensity a few times. I love it it about you. (laughs) And I need to find somebody who loves that about me. But like it's something I found out only like a couple of years ago. A girl told me. She's like, You're very intense. And I was like, What? (laughs) I haven't battled with that one yet. Um, right. And then I started thinking about it, and um, it really pointed to why I was struggling in these relationships. Is because I I burn us both out in like yeah. two or three weeks. Like I get really excited, um, and we bang like bunny rabbits, <laughs> invested, right? And then either she's tired or I'm tired or we're both tired, and then it's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I think because it's very funny, right? So, in my relationship dynamic, right? It's funny because I know my girlfriend's not gonna watch this. Yeah, because <laughs> she she just never she may watch this episode if I tell her. Oh, I'm giving relationship advice, and she's gonna be like, "Let me see what he's talking about." But um, <laughs> she, it's hilarious. I can already sense. I can already make the text up in my head. Um, but. <laughs> she's the intense person I'm the very calm person but because she's so she's that intense fiery person it's cool for me to play my role like I like to play the role of the calm person I like to let her get her shit out 
and she's the emotion, fiery, intense, and I'm just here like, okay, cool, chill. You know, I'm like, you got to find somebody that matched that pace, matched that level, <clears throat> because intense can scare some people, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not intentional. It's just naturally who you are. Like, you wouldn't be you if you weren't you. Like, you can't switch it. Yeah, you know like, I don't I mean? want to change. Right. Like, not, maybe that's not the best way to put that. Um, because the best thing you can do in life is change. You want to be inauthentic. That. Yeah. Uh, yes. That's, there we go. I don't want to uh, shift my foundation. Exactly. Of, of who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, the best thing in life the, a person can do is change. And I want to be able to change so that I can sustain relationships and find love or adoration that works mm -hmm. better for me. Right. Uh, and gives me long-term happiness. Yeah. And I think it's, it's going to take time. Like, honestly, you know, probably right i was in a relationship before i met my girlfriend but before that i was single for two and a half years yeah. i was single and i didn't even talk not even dealing anything with people you know what i mean like i didn't have i didn't go on dates turned inward. pretty much <clears throat> and that's because i had a lot of work to do on myself personally um, and then i was really trying to dive deep into my creative artistic endeavor so it was like I need to stay, I need to get where I want to go with this before I look at anything else. Because I can't give somebody the attention, love, adoration they need if I still need to figure this out. And I knew that. <clears throat> and then it was just like, okay, all right, I'm going to do that. And then, but also it was just the fact of like, I was waiting to see if I come across somebody because I love to talk to people, but I was waiting to see if I come across somebody that actually interests me in that point. I met some people I liked, but not people I heavily pursue where it's just like, nah, we're going to make, I really want to make this like something serious. So. Well, when you found that something serious, mm -hmm. how did you maintain that slow burn? Like, you don't, you don't get like so excited. Like I, I, I tie a lot up of my like personal happiness with, with, mm -hmm. I, like my partner or who I'm dating or who I'm hooking up with, which right. is a huge detriment. I understand. <laughs> uh, like, no. I totally understand that. Like you, you could say less on that one. But, <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing. I guess. Yeah. That's my question. Mm -hmm. is how do you maintain and remain calm? Even when you have that bubbling excitement of a new romantic spark in your life. I mean, I feel like, so, because of who I am and the life I've lived, yeah. a lot of me is just reserved. Like, I am always even keel until after a moment. Like, I can have an art show. You might just see me nervous because I might not eat, but I'm not really here until the show's over. You know what I mean? Like, I pretty much stay even level. Um. And I just, and that could be like a trauma response or something. I'm not 100% sure. Somebody probably has to fucking diagnose me. But at the same time, we don't point, have time to unpack all. No, nah, not, not at all. Um, and we are not the professionals for it. Um, <laughs> but it's also the thing of like, I'm excited, but I don't feel like I always understand that people, that 
emotions can change. I can't control the emotions of another person. I can't control those mm-hmm. feelings. I can only control who I am, what I do, and how I show things. Sometimes that could be a detriment in the relationship. Like my girlfriend, she's like she feels like, oh, I, I outwardly show my emotions to you more than you show them to me. But my thing is, I show them in different ways. Like I show my appreciation in different ways. Like. I might do, it's never going to be the same because we're all different. Like, every human being doesn't show the same emotion the same way. I, like, some people may show extreme happiness and joy by crying. Some people may show it by just being fucking speechless. They, they just might be like, I don't even know what to say. Because they just don't equate you know, certain actions to certain things. Right. Doesn't mean they're not happy. Doesn't mean they're not appreciative. It's just the fact, you know, you can't put the expectations of an emotion or reaction on another person for it to match how you react or sense it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't put how I react to something on you. Like, I can't expect you to react the same way I would react to something. Like, I, if you're happy, you can't be, you. I can't expect you to be the same way I am when I'm happy. If you're emotionally heartbroken, you know, I'm, I might not cry, but you may be in your room in the dark, like, wailing in pain. Like, and I just don't have the same. So it's like understanding we all have separate emotions. I'm going to do the best to, you know, give my emotions and also communicate it because <clears throat> you might also be foreign to people giving you emotions in a certain way. Like somebody might not be, you know, a lot of guys try to play it cool. And if you're intense <laughs> yeah. and she's never come across an intense person, you want to just let her know like, Hey, look, I really just, you know, I just want you to, know, I like you. I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to put this pressure on you, but I just want you to know, like, these are just me. This is how I am. when I like somebody. Like if I really actually genuinely like somebody and it's kind of like the communication of kind of like baby stepping them into it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Modifying expectations without lowering them. Yeah. And also it's just letting people know, cause you know, again, we're not, you know, I'm not going to speak for the woman of the world, but also, you know, women's brains can sometimes they'll think about things in so many different ways that we don't. We don't quantify things the same way a woman's mind may quantify it. So you're intense and she's like, whoa, 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 you're already seeing us with kids married and shit. And you're just like, no, nah, I just like you. Yeah. <laughs> like, be something like I run into a lot, too, is, is yeah. like I. I'm not, I don't feel ownership over you. You don't have to enter into a relationship now Mm -hmm. or or ever if that's what you're into. But I still feel genuine care for you. And I still, you know, certainly have an infatuation. But there's a line that I see as well as you that we will not cross until we're there, if we ever are there. And that's where the communication part really comes in. Because then you're telling her and letting her know, like, hey, this is really what it is. Just so you don't think, like, I'm trying to get married next week. Like, no, I really like you. This is what it is. I just want you to understand my emotions. Because you, every time you're in a situation with someone, it's someone brand new. So you almost have to treat them like you're training them. 
Like, you know, like how, not like training, that sounds crazy when I just said it. But, <laughs> no, no, but no. You know, in like, context, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you know, like when you go to a job, somebody has to train you on how to do the job. It's like, I'm letting you know who I am and they're letting you know who they are. Like, we're always learning people. Like, me and my girlfriend are still, even nearly five years in, we're still learning each other. Yeah, you're you're doing an orientation of yourself. Yes, and you always probably may have to do it every six months to a year. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, hit us with the intro. And everybody, with that being said, welcome to Wrestling With Romance. I am one of your co-hosts, Life of Dean, and I'm joined with my other co-host. Jack Simon, it was a pleasure as always. Uh, I've told a bunch of stories the past few weeks, and this week I just, just needed some help. Yeah, it's holiday season. You know, it's a little nippy outside. Get a little, <laughs> get a little lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my seasons be to Thanksgiving to me mm-hmm. always meant the like start of ski season, right? Like, and I and I've been on the hill for a couple weeks now, um, mm-hmm. but this is like to me the real signal of like, all right, it's time to get going. Yeah, do you get a lot of people that travel like during the holidays, like family trips and stuff like that? They're like, does that happen usually around this time? Yeah, I get people who are like you know, come to visit their second or third home and spend Thanksgiving there in the mountains. Like, uh, especially Vale and Aspen where I've been living the past few years. It's, a, uh, you know, it became a zoom town. Right. And you see it gets real crowded like this week and then mm. it'll empty out until like not holiday week. It's like the week before <clears throat> holiday week, it starts to fill up again. And then of course, holiday week is packed. Right. And then it's, you know, you get the casuals and the tourists hanging out for months and months. Okay. And it, when is it really like, it's like that till like, what, like springtime almost? Yeah. It's like that till like April. Okay. Yeah. Figured that. Okay. I, I haven't spent the winter in Vail. Vail <clears throat> gets bonkers crowded because mm. you get people coming from Denver a lot. Right. Um, it's only like an hour and a half, two hours away. Hmm. And people who also own homes here from Denver, and they'll come every weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They'll so, this is your busy time. This is really like when everything yeah, so takes I'm, off. I, I mean, as a, I'm six to seven days a week from mm. now until April. God damn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> why, like, that's why Vail, especially. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't go too long on this because some of this is just like ski nerd uh, inside cool. information. <laughs> I mean, um, we are wrestling fans. I mean, let's be honest. We are. <laughs> we we kind of are, you know, in a niche. Yeah. <laughs> but Vale does. Vale is the best ski club in the country. Like, right. and if it's not one, it's in the top three. And it's probably not three. Gotcha. One of the things they do really well is take care of their coaches. Our whole mission here, like, and our, the president of our club said at the beginning of the year, the year, like, we're here to build Olympians. If mm. a kid can't put in the effort or a parent is too difficult to deal with, tell them to find another program because we have a waiting list. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> and Super so, cutthroat. <laughs> right. I mean, that's because we don't have to stress about kids joining our program like other clubs do. Like, people move across the country to join – the yeah. ski club like, and y'all got one, it like that y'all got it like that yeah and and yeah. 
what this club does really well is take care of their coaches so that when the winter time does come and it's competition season mm-hmm. and they're training this much and we're working these, all these days of the week and we're working hard like mentally and physically because we're coaching and we have to do labor to get our snow or courses ready or venues correct right um we're at optimal position uh condition Right, right. So like during the fall, it's a real light schedule. We have mandatory a week off. In the spring, we have a mandatory week off. In the summer, we have a mandatory, I think it's two weeks off, one at the beginning, one at the end. Right. And they don't care to like fill our time. Like mm. we'll have like training like two hours a day and that's right. work day. And like we'll do other things like admin shit or whatever. Okay. But also like go bike riding, go climb, go do rock climbing, go camp, do yeah sit at home, play video games, but like do whatever you enjoy doing outside of skiing. So when the season rolls around again and it's six months mm-hmm. of the year, you have no excuses. You are okay. at your absolute best so that we can bring the best out of these kids. Gotcha. Okay. That's fucking awesome. I didn't know that much because I, you know, I know nothing about skiing <laughs> for many different reasons beyond this complexion of my skin. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, besides you know, how much melanin you got in there. Yeah, because I'm not going on no ski slope. But um, <laughs> that's dope to hear, man. How are you feeling, though? I know we had the 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 quite the, uh, you know, dating back and forth conversation. But beyond that, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Uh, I feel, I mean, I do <coughs> better when I'm busier. Mm-hmm. And I'm especially my best when I'm busy with ski season. Right. Like, when I'm left to my own devices, like, I'll just sit in my bed, eat fried chicken, and play video games. Uh, I know that life. I know that life very well. (laughs) And and I'm not, so now that I get out of bed and I have to go do something, I'm up early every day, like I actually feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, After watching Full Gear, I'm fucking stoked. (laughs) It's very funny because people don't understand. Me and Jack are on two different time zones. So, <laughs> isn't it like 7 a.m. where you are yeah. right now? <laughs> so well, like, I'm up 5.30 during season. Right. I'm up 5.30 most days, but... Uh, As you said, season. I'm up early, active. People need to know we're recording this at 7 a.m. your time. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I wake up like this, which is yeah. something that really throws people. Like, I'm like, I, I wake up, like, I have no warm-up period. Like it's kind no of no alarm clock. No, no, no. I have alarm clock, but I mean, okay. like, I have no warm up period when it comes to like, okay, I have to like get ready for the day. Oh, I you just up it with full energy. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Like this, like the way this? you see me on Zoom is I wake up like this. <laughs> I'm gonna say that for for the for the Zoom tomorrow. <laughs> I have a tip. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, like I but, wake up fucking stoked. <laughs> But as you said, stoked, you talk about full gear. Hey, listen. Man, there's a, one of my matches of the year was that was on that show. Let me tell you. We talked death matches a couple of weeks ago. That has to be easily in my top three, probably not three death I, matches of all time. The most ironic thing about that is that two weeks i want to say two episodes ago we talked about death matches after you sent me uh um a few of your uh your favorite death matches and 
I had said on that podcast, I'm not really crazy about death matches. <laughs> I've watched that match three times already. <laughs> because it's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. I, I mean, what we talked about, too, is what what deathmatch wrestling struggles the most is, is redundancy. Like, yes. there's only so many ways to, like, hit somebody with a chair or put somebody through a table. Yeah. Like, um, and storytelling. How do you stop it from becoming a spot fest? And you had Hangman Page getting underneath Swerve and drinking blood, which is something... And that, which great both of Muda these, misting it into the air. Yeah. Which both made, which gave it both a storytelling perspective and a this is something I've never seen before. I that is the thing about it. So, like, my main thing, like, I've never been crazy into death matches. Like, I, I will say, AW has been the place where I feel like they do death matches. I'm interested in, yeah. Um, Maybe it's also the fact, like, you know, they are just a regular wrestling company, not really, like, a deathmatch wrestling company. So maybe that's why it doesn't throw me off. But the thing I loved about Swerve Hangman match is the story of it. Because, yeah, Hangman shouldn't have an entrance. I shouldn't be walking down in costume and music. I should fly to the ring and fuck you up for coming into my house. Yeah, I the stapling of the sun's finger painting to Swerve's face was yeah. when I was just like, "Oh, we're on to something here. Oh, we're going there." And the funny thing is, for people who you know, we watch me and Jack. We watch with a group of friends. We watch wrestling on Zoom usually, and we. I said I'm muting myself for the match. Like I'm, I'm watching. We all muted. First time I'd ever seen that happen in the group, and. I looked at the camera when Hangman put himself like under swerve and was drinking his blood. And all of our faces was collectively like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> so, like, like Jack had his hand in his ear, like, like he had never seen that. I think I saw Zoe just like throw when Zoe's hand Zoe was just like, just like, nope, this is too much for me. Dude. The craziest part is, and I had another conversation with a friend, like one of my friends um, for comic book nerd references as well. He was saying for so long, he felt swerved, like embodied, like, like comic book version Killmonger. Like he gave off that aura of that. But he said, me and him was talking about this match and he was like, this was truly Batman Joker. Like, but when Batman can no longer hold his punches back and no longer cares about justice. Like, like End he, of Dark Knight, Batman, where he's like, you're going to have to break your one rule, and Batman's like, I'm considering it. And this is him This is him when he breaks the rule. Like, this was it. Like, because in watching the match three times, you pick up on so many different things, right? Like, the first thing I've just realized, the first match was just being in fucking awe. The first time I watched it was just like, what the fuck am I watching? The second time was paying attention to the crowd. The crowd was shocked. Like, when they showed him with the blood, the crowd is like, 
you can hear the audible gas from 12,000 people watching something they've never seen before. But then when he spits it out, they're just like, yeah, it's like this guttural reaction that you brought out of people. But then when Swerve starts stapling himself, like he's the Joker, like this means nothing to me. Like the fans were just like, oh, they were chanting, you sick fuck. And they was just loving it. And mind you, we haven't even gotten into like the Cinderblock Death Valley driver on the fucking apron. The freaking, I don't even know how you do a pile driver on a guardrail that skinny. That was amazing. That was such an <laughs> incredible athletic endeavor. I don't even know how you pitch that and are like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Like, I, I can pull this off. Well, you know what I love the most? It's not even a spot, like a real thing in the match, like a spot they did. Right after that, Swerve, mind you, I don't know how he bled that much and did not pass the fuck out. Like, he lost a shit ton of blood. That was a lot of blood. <laughs> he lost. I thought it was. I thought it was a mistake at first. I was like, "Oh fuck, he just cut too deep." To this point, I don't even know the spot where he may have cut his head. Like I'm he still looking for it. He may have, but I don't see where it could be. Like, oh, he got hit in the head to bleed. Yeah, I mean, I also I didn't see anywhere where he like had the opportunity to blade because his hand was taped. Right. Exactly. So I was just like. Where the fuck is this spot at? So great trickery of the camera there. But right after he does the power driver spot, like he pours the water on his head and it just turns into like this fucking red river. And then he pours it on Hangman and it's like this coagulated blood. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is, ne I don't even love violence like this, but this is sweet nectar for me. <laughs> this is like, and then. <laughs> So many spots. I my favorite spot is the power. Well, he got Hangman in the corner, and he does the chair, and the barbed wire catches Hangman's face and his hair. He power bombs him onto it, and then the swerve stop onto the chair was just like I. Every time I watch the match, it doesn't feel thirty minutes. It does not feel like thirty minutes has gone by. It just feels like a fight. That's all it was? It was 30 minutes. See, and I, like, I mean, of course, it doesn't feel like 30 minutes in the sense of, like, mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't counting the minutes waiting mm -hmm. for it to be over. But it feels like a movie. Like, I feel like I watched a 90-minute epic. Exactly. Like, and this was the part that, I guess this is this leads into something that's on my heart, right? When I come into this, when I come to the show, and we still want to touch on other things from Full Gear. The reaction from the crowd and everything from that whole show. Swerve is a made man. Oh yeah, without question. Yeah, because the he's now in the top tier of AEW superstars, like with Switchblade, with MJF, with Adam Cole, with Hangman, with Kenny Omega, with the Bucks, with F without a question. He is. They were chanting fight forever for a fucking death match. When Nana pulled him out, the crowd erupted because they did not want it to end. And the crazy part is Swerve is the heel and they were cheering for him. Like that's how amazing I mean, but, it but is. Like, let's not pretend that's so unfounded in today's wrestling. It's not unfounded, but you should like 
there maybe like, against if, a, a face like hangman that's the thing like hangman is a baby face like in this in this feud and a beloved one in a beloved a beloved baby face and in this feud there's no way where you can't see why people wouldn't just absolutely cheer for hangman put yourself in hangman's shoes if it was a real life situation yeah destroy the man that stood over my child <laughs> stood over my child and was talking reckless in my home. Like, yeah, I need to be jazz. But the people wanted Swerve to win. He came out of that show a star. And that leads me to something that was on my heart that bugged the crap out of me the next day. Swerve had talked about this black wrestling podcast list uh, or wrestler list. Yeah, I saw like it. A, like, Did I want to say it was number one. I don't even remember because this is a list from like over a year ago. This oh, is old. This is an old topic. This is a topic from. I don't even know if he even had the tag titles yet. Because I thought when I this saw topic one came up weeks ago, there's one that came up a few weeks. Ago. That's the one from Righteous Rich. Shout out to Righteous Rich. But that's something different. The issue that people brought up that topic is from. I don't even think him and Keith may have won the tag titles, or they just might have just lost it. Yeah. But, you know, he talked about not wanting to be on this list that people had put together because he said you can't reduce the work of certain people who have been doing this for years to put up people who are just hot for right now. And to be honest, the list, what he said is it's fair. It is fair. And it's also his opinion. But for people to then be like, oh, I can't, I'm not going to stand to support him. Fuck him. It's just like, why did you wait to bring up an interview over a year ago, the night after this man is one of the hottest trending topics in wrestling. Like he is, this is oh, the, so the interview was over a year ago. He didn't a, say, over oh, a year ago. All right, the so interview, the interview on that list was over a year ago. Got over it. a year ago. Like I, I still think Swerving Our Glory was still a team when he did that interview. I follow. So it's like, why did you wait? Like, why are we bringing this up now? Like, why are we trying to put out this man's candle right now? Like, he's shining the brightest he has shined. I mean, it goes in back a, to... Sorry, in a long know. time. No, and just like, he's shining the brightest he's shined in a long time. And it's like, I hate that mentality that, oh, uh, you said something, so we just got to get you up out of here even when you just had your greatest moment. What did you about to say? It's, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about last week about fans who are just too fucking online. Yes. And, you know, it's it's also the Dave Chappelle line about there's nothing a coward loves more than to see a brave person fall. And yeah, Swerve is a very brave human being. I mean, he's or and he he got cut from WWE, bet on himself, went to AEW, tagged with Keith Lee, where he was, let's be honest, the second most important person in that tag team. Mm -hmm. Got into, formed the stable, that stable failed, formed a new stable, made that one successful. And so now in his most glorious moment, these online fucking nerds feel the urge to put him down. Because they can't see, they they can't. If if they don't blame Swerve, they have to blame themselves for their own failures. Exactly, and you know, for me personally, I've been a wrestling fan 
I'm going to date myself here. I'm going close to 30 years as a wrestling fan. Yeah. <clears throat> I can name on one hand how many main event stars that are black. Maybe on two hands. Maybe I can name main event stars I've watched in real time become top-level main event stars built on TV. And what do we got? We got Kofi. We got Farouk. We got Bobby. Bobby Lashley. Lashley. We got um, fucking Big Big E. You got Mercedes Monet. Bianca. We got Bianca. Uh oh. Booker T. Booker. But I would even say booked. And I mean, when I say booked, I mean actually presented well. Booker was presented well, but let's not act like Vince Russo and the main fuck him up with that Bastard the Beach 2000 bullshit of. And also look at WWE where he finally got over all the way as a caricature of himself as King. You know what? I even have to take down. Farouk, because I, I didn't watch Farouk in real time. I, was, I wasn't I even born. So we're looking at like seven. And if you want to put Carmelo and Trick and all that, sure. But not I don't know them like in the world. They're not in the world heavyweight picture. They're not in the universal picture. Yeah, I'm talking about that. So we got like, we got seven. Swerve is the first one as an adult I get to see. And like, really developed and I've been a fan of his for so long and it's like I'm really getting a chance to develop it and it's stuff who Batista Batista's not black Batista's not black no he's just a very tan white man yeah he's like he's like a Greek and um and in Philippine well <laughs> pink <laughs> but me um, keep going, man. But he's the first one also outside of WWE. Really. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I guess some people might say Moose, but I'm like, I'm, I'm be real with you. I ain't never watched Moose. I'm not be real with you. I've watched, never... watched a bunch of Moose matches, and they're great. But there's also, to an extent, how much does TNA impact really matter? That's for a different discussion. I don't want nobody coming after us for that. I don't want nobody coming after But, like, you it's, have to, like, you have 45,000 viewers a week. I'm like, not arguing. How can you be a star to 45,000 people? But that's what I mean. Like, a major television company, a wrestling television company building a black star. Swerve is the first one ever really seeing outside of WWE. Yeah. And it's like, why are we choosing to tear this down now? Like, why are we choosing to be, like... Why we want to be nitpicky? Why we want to be crabs and bucking them? Why? Just let this man have his moment. You have a problem? Go outside, touch fucking grass. I do not care. Like, just let this man have his moment. And you want to do this over his thoughts on a list. A list. Not because he said something inappropriate. Not because he said something fucked up. A list. I mean, I guess it, maybe it does. And I don't know. As both uh, Batista is not black, neither am I. <laughs> but it's just the old line of like OJ Simpson, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Mm-hmm. And Swerve going, Oh, I don't want like this list of like, I don't want to be on this list of black wrestlers. I want to be on the list of wrestlers, which seems to be the general gist of what he said. Right. But he also said, I don't mind being on a list like this. I want it just done right. 
Like, if it's done right, I'll be a part of it. But if it's not done right, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Which is fair. I don't think he said I'm not black. He still says I'm black. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he says I'm not. Right. Like, he didn't, like, it doesn't seem like he said it with mm-hmm. that, not even that intention. He didn't even say it in that direction. Right. And I feel like people feel like, oh, well, if it's black, you have to support it. Listen. As a black man who loves everything black, wants to support everything black, I even said on the Zoom as the match started, I'm supporting anything black in this match. <laughs> so I'm letting you know it's okay to sometimes say no to something if you just don't agree with it. It's not saying that you don't love your people or you don't love your culture. It's just a fact, hey, man, I just don't rock with this. That's fine. That doesn't mean he's against us. And with that being said, I'm going to say this now, and I this is definitely going to be something I clip up later. There is no way you do not have Swerve as champion by fucking double or nothing. Yeah, After, I mean, he's definitely got to be one of your. I mean, he has to be in your uh, world championship picture now. If they put him anywhere near the TNT. Or the international no. title, they have severely biffed it. Like I'm gonna and say it's this, something that like you have to that you know it's another test of Tony Khan and where he's mm-hmm. at booking because you know old AEW what we would have loved is like it's always done by the fans. Yeah, like the acclaim they switched up their whole booking to put the titles on the acclaim because they realized it was the right moment to do so. Yes. And whatever carefully laid plans Tony Khan has now probably didn't include Swerve getting this popular. And now that he is, he should adjust. Fam, there's no bigger heel right now. Listen, I love the idea of Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe is just a snarky monster. Smart. Mo- he's just, Samoa Joe is like Bane to me. He's a genius monster. Like he's a smart monster that finds a way. He shouldn't. I have no problem with him and MJF having the wrestle at double uh, Winter's Coming or. I don't even understand why he re-entered the picture. Like to me, he lost, and like that should have been the end. I mean, I have no problem with it because he got cheated. I'm like, he did get choked up, but you know, whatever. How many times have like we seen a wrestler get cheated, and then they just have to? Fuck on off. That's probably. I mean, it is, but it's also like the way he did it was kind of like it's Samoa Joe. I'm going to outsmart you. I'm going to find you in a very vulnerable position that helps me. I don't mind that with Joe because that's always been Joe's character. And it just shows Joe's genius. Cool with that. To me, you have World's End. Who the fuck else should be facing MJF at World's End? That's a heel. I mean, who you have left on that list of people he was supposed to face is Samoa Joe, uh, Wardlow, and Swerve. That's that's who you're really who are in the contention now. Am I thinking? Am I forget? I, I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Eddie. He did. He had Eddie on that list too, but I don't see him in Eddie. No time. Eddie soon. Kingston. He had Eddie on that list. He did. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, wait. Did he do a list? I don't know what you're. He did a list when he won the title, but <laughs> he did a list. When oh, he won. I, I but... was talking about people. Uh, oh, like in the past, like months, oh. who have been circling the title. It's just Warlow, Joe. Yeah. I don't even think Warlow and him needs the title for it to be a few. Well, that's another like too. It's like I don't think Adam Cole. Like they don't need a title to tell the story between Adam Cole and. No. 
um, and MJF. Oh, yeah. You know who we're fucking forgetting? Whoever's underneath the devil mask. Exactly. I will get that. I think we can just save that for next week after we get yeah, this yeah, dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, and that's that. Now that's become a very dangerous um, position because the yeah. devil kind of needs to challenge for the world title. That's kind of the bit at this point that like the, you do need the world title to tell that story. Or the devil can cost him. The devil thing can be like, I'm going... Because the whole thing, Warlow's thing, is like, I'm going to take everything from you. The devil thing can just be, I'm taking everything that you find close and near yeah. dear to you. And then, yeah, I guess they need to go <clears throat> with the whole idea of, like, MJF is now needs to pay for the consequences of his actions in AEW for the past four years. Yeah, and it's like... the consequence would be losing his title right as he becomes a hero. Losing his title, losing his best friend, losing everything that makes yeah. him who he is. I guess that's, it also depend on who's under... That mask. mask, but I think you could tell the story. No, I mean, <clears throat> I think you can tell that story without the world title. Yeah, if it'll just be a little bit harder, you'll probably have to, you know, get into a room with creative and find a way to wiggle out of that. If you were going to put the title on syrup, which I agree with you, I think Swerve should be your next champion. I yeah. think where my hang up is. Mm-hmm is you've built this wall of challengers around MJF. Yeah. He has to wrestle each one. And where do you fit and swerve into that puzzle? It's going to be a very hard mm. uh, slot. Like, it's going to be a very hard creative endeavor yeah. to find where he's fit and where it doesn't feel forced, where you yeah. don't abandon any other storylines. And you're not <clears throat> inevitable. I think so. I think there's a sweet spot here, right? I think there's a sweet spot because you have you have a special and a pay per view coming up. That's what we know of. We have De Winter's coming December thirteenth. We have Worlds End December thirtieth. MJF is actually injured. Like yeah, yeah. So he. Um, he actually, they had to put his hip back into place after that uh, Jay White match. So he actually did that rest of that match with his like, hip out of place. Um, and his shoulders banged up. So, But he's still going to be on TV. Yeah. But you do, Which is I do, I do think him and Joe can do Winter's Coming. Yeah. I think you can do that there. The interesting part is World's End. What do you do with Warlow and Swerve in between World's End? I think you can kind of find a way to still have... I think Swerve and MJF needs to be the main event of World's End. I don't see... It's either that or you're saving it till Revolution. And that's, that's kind of tricky. Because Revolution ain't till March. So you got to keep Swerve hot till fucking March. And he's right now your hottest commodity. I think what you would do is... <clears throat> Unless you do in a uh, February pay-per-view. I mean, what my... Where my creative brain goes right now mm -hmm. is I'm doing Smoa Joe at MJF at Winter is Coming. Yeah. That seems to be the layup. 
For sure. Then you put Wardlow and Swerve in a feud. Swerve becomes more of a tweener than a straight heel. Like, don't definitely don't turn him into a white meat baby face, but he can definitely go tweener. He kind of is. The, the Nana aspect makes him because everybody wants to do the dance, yeah, but Swerve has never done the dance. A little bit more, and then Wardlow yeah. stays straight heel. Yeah. Um, they face off for like a number one contendership. If you want to do it in name, great. If not, that's still what it is. Would you do it at Winter's Coming? Uh, like no, 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 at World's End. No, I mean, would you do Wardlow Swerve number one contendership match at Winter's Coming? So that way we have World's End. We know we're getting. No. Are you? Oh, I'm you're doing at World's End. Oh. Um, okay. Give MJF a little time to rest. Uh, maybe you even throw the devil in there at World's End, and then you have so you have because I don't eh, maybe you could, but you have Wardle lose. Um, Swerve. Swerve goes over, and then Revolution. You have a whole month where they're away uh-huh. from all these storylines and they're they're through this wall of contenders and you can just get a straight clean swerve mjf uh title picture storyline um and then Wardlow goes on to like you know now his rage Mm -hmm. is the storyline like he's not just angry at mjf he's angry at himself he's angry at AEW. he's angry at the world Right. Go back to what Wardlow is best at, which is just destroying, destroying motherfuckers. <laughs> like I think you need, and and you can still get that MJF match down the line, and yeah. you can do it in an unsanctioned, you can do it in a steel cage, uh, mm-hmm. and you can do it without the title, where it, the yeah. storyline becomes, I'm gonna take everything from you, and you don't have the title right now, so I'm gonna take your fucking life. I'm going to take your livelihood. I'm going to take everything from you. I'm going to take... Ooh, I have an idea. Okay. Now, it's come to the news about maybe MJF has resigned, which I've been saying for a long time. I'm like, there's no way this man's champion and he's about to be a free agent. That would be the stupidest shit in the world. (laughs) But what if... One of those things is, I'm going to take your ability to be the hottest free agent in wrestling. I'm going to stomp you, yeah. I'm going to put you on the shelf. You want the biggest payday ever? How can you get the biggest payday if you're injured? Yeah. How can you get the biggest payday without the title? Yeah. Warlow just destroyed. I think. And then you can pay off the bidding war of 2024 in a a non-awkward way. Exactly, because it's like, yeah, there was no bidding war because Wardlow spoiled that. Because yeah. that's always been Max's big thing. The bidding war of 2024, even though it died down. The hero, like, mm-hmm. and not have them turn against AEW. And you just have Wardlow smash him. Like, he hit him with eight power bombs in the match at Double or Nothing when they had their match. Have Wardlow go for 12, go for a doesn't he go outside? He power bombs his ass through the table and the announce table, like the ring announcement table, the bell table. He goes out, power bomb on stairs. Like, have Wardlow look, and then you go like back to like the Paul Heyman method of booking of 
this guy can beat everybody but like the Sabu and Taz thing. Yes. Of MJF can beat everybody except for Wardlow. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's gonna be forever until the day that it's not. Yes. And then when it is, you have this amount of catharsis. Uh, but all this exactly. stuff brings me to what I, it's on my heart for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, is I miss those fucking rankings. <laughs> here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. I've brought this up said like this before. briefly on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to get into the more of the whys. One, when AEW started, the rankings were one of the... The, the hallmarks like it was one of the the signals of of this is an indicator of this is an alternative right i love the visual of it you had cool matches where you know they would be like all right it's a three against a five like a hangman brian mm-hmm. and it also made order of things right like we could we could look right now uh, at the rankings and see like okay samojo's one Ward those two, Swerve is three. Right. And now there's an order of how this should go or needs to go. Right. And you could always, like, it happens in the UFC all the time of, like, they don't always wrestle the number one contender. Let's not even get me motherfucking started with UFC and how they be bullshitting with their rankings. What I mean, bullshit. But, like, but their rankings are it. pretty straight up. It's the way they book them that's kind of the. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. They'll I, book, like, a, like, like a fucking. What's his name? Sean Strickland was like a three. I mean, fighter. they have brief rant, but they have Sugar Shane versus Cheeto, even though Cheeto just lost the first number one. Yeah, but match. that's the reality of fighting. It's, it's a story. It's all best matches. <clears throat> exactly. Um, and so, like, there's nothing wrong if you, you have the rankings and you just you don't book whoever's number one at that moment. Right. They're just like I don't think that's something so terrible. They did it with Brody Lee, and it worked great because Brody Lee forced himself into being like he stole the title and he mm-hmm. forced himself into the picture. Right. And it was also you know it made order of things. It was an indicator of alternative. The visual was great. Yeah. And it was something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like as rest, like I would wait for those rankings and I would see them and. I would disagree a lot. And like that's something very cool and it helps me enter the world of professional wrestling. Right. Because I'm now arguing with friends about like who's ranked where and why and who should be ranked higher. And I'm arguing within kayfabe. Yeah. Like I'm not arguing within the like the the booking of it all. Yeah. I'm I'm inside the world of AEW where everything is real. It kept you more engulfed. Yeah, it, and then I don't also don't get fucking random ass matches of MJF versus Daniel Garcia, which removes me from it entirely. Like Daniel Garcia hadn't won a match since March, and how how like it doesn't make like how did he get a world title? <clears throat> how I can understand. I can understand. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Besides, oh, I like Tony Khan being like, oh, I've really biffed it the past few weeks. Uh, who do they love? Daniel Garcia. Here's a title match. Like that I got you. Sucks. That's a really shitty way to to do your creative. I think, like, I'm not again. Uh, here's my thing. I'm, I'm I wasn't crazy about the rankings. Um, 
I do think rankings, because if they did rankings now, right, you have to have a six-man ranking. You, you keep the tag. You have to. If you're doing rankings, you do. You have to keep a six-man ranking. Uh, international belt, who would rank for that? T- uh, TNT, TBS, women's world title. See, I don't think you need. So you that. like, I think you can just do a men's rankings, a women's rankings, and a tag rankings. And the TNT He's, and the international aren't based on the rankings. Okay, fair. So and you would just TBS do as well isn't based strictly on the rankings. So you I would mean, just that's do kind of TNT and TBS's bit. So, but you still need a six man though. Yeah, okay, and a six man. So you would do men's, women's tag, six man. Yeah. And that's I and, think and you can also that it'll help us keep track of Ring of Honor and what they're up to and who's winning there. And it would help I, us um I, I it would help differentiate the world title from all the other titles as well because it's like, yeah, the world title you have to be in the rankings. And usually okay. you have to be in the top three at minimum. So here's what I would say. I, I I think I think especially at the time when the rankings left, I think the rankings left at the right time. Do I think it's the best time to bring back the rankings? Probably. Like in the ways that we just talked. Because I think at the time when the rankings left, you <clears throat> one there was a lot of injuries and turnarounds and turmoil where it was just like, oh, fuck, we got a lot of injuries on this roster. And some of these people are ranked. Where the fuck are we going to end up? Like, I can understand why you probably got rid of it. I think rankings bring more order. Um, I would say if they can find a way to do it and bring it back, kind of like how we just said, six, tag, men's, women's, and then you just clarify it. Like, you clarify to get the world titles, like the men's and the women's, you have to be in that top five ranking. But for other titles, it's open challenge. Once you're somewhere in that ranking list, you could get a title shot. You know, and I don't even think you have to be <coughs> the challenge for the for the TNT title. Maybe the international title. Um, international is a little different. Yeah, but definitely not the TNT or the TBS. You can right. challenge from anywhere. Yeah, I think no. I mean, but just mainly for the main, the two world titles, you definitely need to be in that top five, top ten. Oh yeah, you need to be in the top five. Uh, well, yeah. I, I would say you need to be in the top three. Uh, like Brody was three. Um, you need to be top three minimum. Okay, top three. Um, I do think the tag division needs the rankings the most. Yeah, tag division needs it the most. Um, it's just also yeah, hard though. The fuck apart when the rankings went away. It's also very hard though, because I've noticed that like. Oh, it's very hard. Like you. No, I mean in regards to the tag division. Into a corner. All the fucking time with the rankings. No, but I mean, recently with the tag division, a lot of injuries have been happening, like around, like, like this is the first yeah, time that the tag area has been clean. But I mean, significantly, this is the first time in a while that the tag division has been even consistently like injury free. And even with, you still have other situations. Like, look at Phoenix. He can't even come into the fucking country right now. They just had a four way. Fantastic four way. <laughs> Fantastic four way. So, like, clearly, it's not that injured like now. Not. But well, also, let's see. Let's, I, let's I, see. Fantastic four way. 
cool to see to what see. everybody looks like after <laughs> a few days. Let's see before the next injury report. Fantastic four way, hooray! Happy <clears throat> to see it. But also, to me, your story is based on chasing the title. Yeah, I think bringing back bring the four way tag match. There's no chase. Like to me, I was like really yeah. excited because it was like, okay, you know, all these teams circling. <clears throat> Who's going to get to that number one contendership? The story is them fighting each other. See, but the issue with that was we already had a number one contender. What do you mean? Like when the four teams are circling. The Bucks was technically number one contender. But and they, they didn't just... even get the fucking match. So that's my point, too. Is yeah. You have like yeah. the young Bucks right there. You do that tag match, and then you have another tag match. Mind blown, right? Yeah, um, between two of these teams for the number one contendership, not going to disagree. They win, and then in the weeks going up to World's End, you have that third team who's like, "Hey, wait a fucking second, like I'm here too," and then you have that match. Yeah, because right and now, now you have, have a story and you have a competitive atmosphere. Yeah, in AEW. Whereas when it's just all right, throw them all into a match. There's no competitive atmosphere. It's you're all gonna get a shot, and now what do you do? Like yeah. you, you either pick one of these four teams or these three teams that were contending. Be like, mm. all right, now you're gonna get a two on two. Yeah, you've wiped the slate clean with, like, and, and <clears throat> I love four way matches. Frankly, like three and four way matches are some of my favorite matches in wrestling. But, love three ways. Not a big crazy fan of four ways. Sure, but. I like the, <clears throat> like the four pillars thing made all the sense in the world. Oh yeah, 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 made all the sense in the world. I don't like it when it's like, oh, there's four people who want a title shot. You're yeah. all getting it. Yeah, and they just throw them all in there. That makes I understand. I definitely understand. Um, you don't build anticipation. You don't build suspense. You don't build curiosity, and the entire idea yeah. of you need to of wins and losses matter is wiped away. Because it doesn't matter what your record is, because you're gonna get the shot. Right. I would say, as you said, that is a big thing. I would hope, like <clears throat> as 2024 is coming around, I would hope that something that's introduced in the new, because you know they always wipe record clean for the new year. Like they always have a reset of records as the new year starts. And I, would, I would really hope we can go back to that, mm-hmm. because. Especially as I would love to see it come back for the new year. I would love for it because especially as we have new champions in the TBS women's world heavyweight. Um, I think it's perfect timing to bring it back. Um, especially if you're gonna get you know, it looks like a lot of the roster's gonna be good and healthy to go starting off the year. Like get the rankings back, you know. Sometimes you just gotta figure out different ways to maneuver things, but I think as you said, the rankings is um it's a helpful booking tool. Um, <clears throat> for the audience, I don't, I don't think it's helpful for Tony Khan. But then it forces the best out of him. And yeah, I think creative team. I think if you look at the, it keeps them honest. It keeps them honest. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I've never saw the rankings as a bad thing. The only time the rankings was rough to me was when if when you try to do the TNT stuff. Like I, as you said, just having men's women's tag six man that's perfect. You don't really, <clears throat> you don't really need to make a rankings for TBS International and TNT because they're open challenge belts, right? 
So I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Look at us agreeing on things. We can agree. We can agree. Love it when it happens. <laughs> so um, I wanted to get into something, actually. So for everybody who listened to our last episode, we booked the World Cup. Um, just so happens that we ended up talking about World Cup right before AEW announced the Continental Classic, which I think kicks off this Wednesday. They actually have something really cool. I don't know if you saw it, but they have like a uh, announcement show that they're streaming before Dynamite, where they're actually announcing all the competitors, kind of like the oh, NCAA. Cool. So I was like, okay, that's dope. All right, yeah. I'm up for that. I like that. I've been wondering, like, why <laughs> haven't we gotten any names for this? Could they make it like a whole stream of Tony Schiavone and Tony Khan doing it together? Oh, um, I like that. Yeah, so I, I like that. It kind of gives like it gives the sports. As we were just talking about rankings, it kind of gives that sports presentation. Um, so we did a World Cup. I love the World Cup segment that we did. Um, mine's was completely off the fucking cuff. Jack had his booked, and I fucked up his booking completely. <laughs> I took Zach Sabre Jr., and he was like, son of a bitch. He was like, oh, winner went out the fucking... <laughs> I had to rebook on the fly. So I have... Um, one of our listeners, my friend Vicente, shout out to Vicente, he actually listened to it and he thought it was dope. And he was like, hey, uh, can I book one? And we told everybody who listened, if you want to book and you want to give us yours, um, we would love to hear it and we'll talk about it. And he gave me his list of eight. And I thought his list of eight was very interesting because he picked he picked eight from people we did not pick. Okay, so he did like the draft, <coughs> right? Yeah, okay, cool, love it. He did it right along with us, like he was booking with us. Oh, I love that. So, what was his name? Vicente. I love Vicente. Vicente. <laughs> Mark from Vicente. <laughs> so Vicente picked his eight people. Right now, he followed the same rules as we did. Like once you pick that person, that area is shut down. Like that's that one person representing that area. So here's his eight. Uh, for the U.S., he picked Seth Rollins. Yeah. Uh, Works really well. Japan, he picked Takeshita. That's his second pick. Hmm. So Takeshita for his second pick. He went kind of for like a dark horse sort of feel. Uh, for his third pick, Balor. Finn Balor. Yeah. Um, for his fourth pick, Roosh. Yeah, I would say. I mean, Finn Balor especially is is probably the biggest pick that was left off the list. Maybe Becky Lynch, Okada. Yeah, he was like he was when I quick caveat when I like when he heard you bring up like the women in it, he was like, "Oh shit, we picking women." I was like, "I'll be honest with you." When he picked when you picked the woman competitor, I was like, "Oh, this would have been so different. This would have been so different if I had realized that earlier." You were booking on the fly. You could have done whatever you wanted. And once you said that, I was like, son of a bitch, Mercedes would have been the number one pick. Yeah, I would have been awesome. Um, so, yeah. his... and I like interdicted matches. I do too. I am um, not doing them um, for AEW and WWE. Mm-hmm. But I think like it's one of the uh, it's one of the things that impact one of the mm-hmm. things that makes impact interesting. I lo- it's one of the truth it unique. It makes it very mm-hmm. unique. I quick quick little thing before I get to the rest of his picks because he got like five, like three, four more. To me, 
there is a glaring uh, an opportunity there for me to impact of somebody who's a woman because they had one woman win the world's the, the heavyweight championship for impact she, we do not name we do not name name redacted um <laughs> but there is somebody to me that is that should be the second woman that's already on their roster i don't understand why they haven't let jordan grace do it yet i think because because jordan grace I mean, one, she's got her bodybuilding thing going on now, so she's not there always. Right. Two, she never really, I guess now she has more of a character that works for her. Yeah, but I mean, I remember they had her in, you know, Big Bill when he was Bill Morrissey, and they was like, you know, doing the stuff together, powerbombing people and stuff like that. And I'm just like, put her, like, I would watch Jordan Grace and Mike Bailey, Jordan Grace and Josh Alexander. Oh, yeah. Like, be bangers be bangers like and she's just like her personality her energy her aura she can be your world heavyweight champion as a woman and she also because she's a power lifter body but it's believable that she can pick up this man and fling him around even though she's like five two (laughs) you know it's like i don't get it I, i don't know but um for his fifth pick pete dunn which I think is a really good one. Uh, sixth pick, Kyle Fletcher. Seventh pick was Miro. Yeah. And his eighth right pick, there. Josh Alexander. I forgot Josh Alexander's from Canada. Over Mike Bailey and Kenny Omega? Because well, I, mean, I had, had Kenny. Kenny Omega, that's right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was like between Josh Alexander and Mike Bailey. But honestly, I can see why he picked Josh Alexander. So his first his his uh, matches equated to Josh is going to have a good match against anyone, which is big if you're doing a World Cup. So his first round was Seth Rollins versus Josh Alexander. Uh, the next first round match was Takeshita versus Miro, which lovely match. Now that I heard that, I was that's like, like two big man super athletes. Mm-hmm. The third match is Finn Balor versus Kyle Fletcher, which I think is. Actually, a match I would actually like. Really? I'm a little mad on that one. Uh, you know what? Well, that's just because I'm not sold on Kyle Fletcher. You're not. I am. I, I think, am. listen. Same for me. After I seen him in Takeshi on Rampage, I was just like, yep, that man got it. That man got it. That man got it. Yeah, but like, I think that has much more to do with Takeshi yeah. than Kyle Fletcher. Even him and Kenny was great. Listen. Kyle Fletcher. Like, come on. Like, you can't. Like, you're talking right. about Takeshita, who's Kyle a prodigy, and Kenny Omega, who's one of the greatest of all time. If you can't have a great match with them, you should get the fuck up out of here. Listen, I'll tell you this. I can name you a lot of great Kyle Fletcher matches where he's not, where he has done more than held his weight. But that that's beyond the point. Right. You can feel mad about it. That's you. We always argue this What's with other people. Match? And the last match is last match is Rush versus Pete Dunn. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's the good shit. Now, here's where his advancements go. Yeah. His semifinals is Seth Rollins versus Takeshita. Yes, that's amazing. And that's then perfect. his uh, his other one is Roosh versus Finn Balor. <sighs> that's that's something I'm here for. His finals. Both of those are the both of those are 
so good. Or just yes. incredible matches to, to put together. His final is Takeshita versus Roosh. Oh. Oh. Because <laughs> I thought at least Seth Rollins or Pete Dunne are moving on. To, but Takeshita versus Roosh is so interesting. Like Takeshita versus Roosh is one of those where you don't even realize how good until it exists or how much you want it until it's booked. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's he got winning? Takeshita. Okay, yeah, the dark horse. That's yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting story for the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's buckets. <laughs> Bucket. I said when he sent me that, I was like, "Ooh, motherfucker!" I wish I put this. Yeah, because I was like, "Damn, that's good." And honestly, like, I wouldn't change anything that he booked. Um, I mean, mm. I would get Fletcher the fuck up out of here. Like, to me, he just sticks out like a sore thumb. Like he's I mean, first of all, he's young and unproven, and so is Takeshita. But Takeshita has that kind of has that dark horse aura, and you can it's still believable that he would rip through the tournament. You know what? I might have to bring this up in the Zoom, but you have a thing in a hatred for people in your age range who are a little younger. I'm beginning That's to know. I love Hook. I love Takeshita. First of all, I think Takeshita's older than you. How old is Takeshita? If I'm not mistaken, he might be a year older than you. Okay, but that's that's the right <laughs> But you hate box. Wheeler, you hate Kyle Fletcher, you hate like we should all hate get Wheeler. into all of we this. We should all hate Wheeler Yuta. No, you should not. We should all as a community. He gets Wheeler consistently better. Whatever. Who anyway. Has, who has gotten every opportunity in the world? And he's been great. I, he I has been a single Wheeler Yuta match where I would want to watch over again. You are bugging the fuck out. And also, I love Daniel Garcia, and I think Daniel Garcia should be in that slot. Mm, but he's USA. No, no I'm oh, you mean in the- for the Blackpool Combat Club? I think it helped. Uh, we could get into that another day. That's another day. Fine, fine. But yeah, Takesta is about to turn. What is he? About to turn twenty nine, I think. About to turn twenty nine. Yeah, no age range. I mean, no. He actually just turned twenty eight. I am Gen Z. Okay, so I think one the booking's great. I would. I wouldn't change anything. Um, I wouldn't change any people that you had. I think even just the idea of like the Takeshita Roosh match. I'm like, yo, why did I? I was like, I never thought about wanting to see that match, but now that you now say I can't it, live without it. And I'm just like. Boy, they gonna knock each other's oh. fucking block off. That's see, I envision that match as like a twelve-minute sprint of young that, guys who hit hard, are super athletes, and are young enough where they can go for twelve minutes. Are you a football fan? Yeah, mildly. Really. I see it like a twelve-minute beast mode sprint of like Marshall <laughs> Lynch and his run, because you know. It's like it's 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 like I'm gonna run into you. I'm gonna hit you stiff arm. It's gonna over be and trucking. over and over. It's just gonna be like bang, 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 bang. Cause you know it's not stopping. Like one of my favorite matches from this past weekend was Roosh and Dax Harwood, and I call that battery and assault. That's what that fucking match was. 
Because for Dax to get chopped so hard, his chest is bleeding. Do you understand how much force has to be consistently hit with? Like, and that's also like same as this one is mm -hmm. like we didn't know how much we wanted to see Roosh versus Dax until we got it until it, we found out it was happening. Yeah, like when they announced it, I was like, ooh, the and I think it's really like what a World Cup wrestling World Cup concept is so good for yes. is you're going to get these matches that you didn't know you wanted until they happen. And exactly. if, you're book, if you're fantasy booking one, that's what you should really lean into. Exactly. So Now as the expert on World <laughs> Cup, uh, wrestling World Cups. You know, we've done a few. We've heard a few. You know, we, yeah. we got a little something. But we, we gonna do that sixteen? Yeah. You know what? I think we should do a sixteen. That might have to be a whole episode. That might actually have to be because if you think about it, a sixteen that means we can. Yeah, sixteen is that 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 might have to be a full episode, uh, or at least like yeah, we can make that a separate not, segment because we have to do. It might have to be a full episode. Like, yeah, we can put that in right after the romantic part. Yeah, for the whole time, unless you know the wrestling world becomes. First of all, the draft is going to be intense. Yes, because like it's one thing when you fuck up a like three round tournament. Exactly. If you fuck up my six <laughs> tournament or five round, like you're then thrown into chaos. Yes, you have to. Yeah, um, and you know we're going to be fighting over picks. Oh yeah, the countries, like. You know why? Because it, and why it might have to be a full episode? Because you then have to come up with backups to if they get picked for each country. And you know, it's, backup bookings as well. Right. So it's like, can we keep the same wrestlers? Nah, scramble it. We have you to go, go totally from totally scratch. new, totally from scratch. That might have to be a full episode, my friend. It won't be next week. Let's make it two weeks. Next week is next week. We're gonna do WCW. WCW. We'll 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 tap in on anything that may happen. I don't know if you plan to watch Survivor Series this weekend. Um, but yeah, I might watch a War Games. I might. Yeah, I, I like I, a gimmick. I always mean to watch WWE's <clears throat> um premium live events, and then and then I just don't. <laughs> like I get yeah. busy and I forget. It's I don't follow the product that closely anymore, um, and even though I've actually been meaning to follow it more, mm -hmm. but then I just get busy, and yeah, I, I, like it's not on my radar right now, and so it kind of falls off the wayside. And now that we're going into winter, where anything that's not on my radar already is just not going to fucking happen. Yeah. I would like to watch Survivor Series. I would like to watch more WWE. Right. Uh, I really want to see what Triple H is doing with the product. I've heard really good things. I I've loved NXT for a very long time. Whenever I yeah. took SmackDown, I am entertained. I haven't watched Monday Night Raw in years and years and years. Mm -hmm. I don't plan that. I don't plan on like I I can't watch three hours of weekly wrestling. Um, um it's just on in the background mostly. For like, it's not like like I pay attention. But I do, like, I think we've had this conversation before, not on the podcast, but I pay attention, but it's more like I'm doing everything else around it. It's not like when we watch AEW. Like, when I watch AEW, yeah. I'm sitting down, I'm planted for two hours, full, my full focus is here. I don't, maybe SmackDown gets more of that from me when it occurs, but also I'm not watching every SmackDown. So it's like, 
because there are some SmackDowns. I'm just like, ooh, this is this is what? It's just when the Roman, like before these last two, when Roman's not there, oh. <laughs> so, but I'm probably gonna watch it because one Thanksgiving weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving, um, I'm probably just gonna be at my girl's house, but she's planning to go visit some family like on that Saturday, so I'm just gonna be at her house. So it's like, what am I gonna do? Oh, Survivor Series is on. I'll probably watch that. Um, but if I do watch it, it probably won't be for the whole thing. It'll just be it'll it'll be for War Games and a morbid curiosity of if CM Punk's going to show up. I I'll tell you right now, it's a five match card and it's a two match card for me. I just want to watch the women's War Games and I just want to watch the men's War yeah. Games. So I should but, yeah both War Games. I'd say to be honest, there's a Gunther Miz match. And oh, I actually, have. I really want to watch that. I think they can do. I think they can. Uh, I've it's been Gunther. his defender for a long time. Um, yes, you are. I, I stand by it. Still, I think Gunther and Miz can do something really, really interesting together. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see Miz fighting from underneath. Like he has never had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I think he can make something really, really cool out of it. So I, I mean, it's, that, I would watch the two more war games and the morbid curiosity <laughs> if CM Punk is going to show up. I don't like. Here's the thing, you know, we won't get too crazy into me and Miz, but I've never been sold on the Miz. I've always been the person who's just never been into him. He just never clicks for me. Um, and I, I like storyline from what I've seen. Uh, oh yeah. Gunther cut a hell of a promo on him last yeah, night. Yeah, Gunther being like, you got picked on for loving wrestling and having mm-hmm. your wrestling idols, and then you got to wrestling and all of your wrestling idols picked on you. And I was like, God damn. That's but, um, Miz to be a really interesting underdog, which is a facet of Miz we've never seen before. Yeah, like, I'm expecting, it's Gunther, I'm expecting a four-star match. <laughs> like, it's him. You, you have to purposely shit the bed to have anything less than a four-star match with Gunther. <laughs> you have to, like, purposely shit the bed at this point. So, like, Real I expect quick. that to be good. Real quick before we wrap. Yeah. Um, do you think CM Punk is showing up? Yes or no? That's it. No. No? no. I, I think no, too. After, I would tell you, the way they set up the Randy Orton return, let me know, like, oh, yeah, they want nothing to do with a possibility of a punk return floating around. Yeah, I, I, I think they're trying to squash it, but I also see that I can also squint and convince myself this is kind of the Triple H way of pushing it towards, like, it's impossible just to make it happen. Kind of like the Bray, how the Bray Wyatt return was done guerrilla style. Yeah. I can see that for CM Punk, and I can see Triple H playing the 4D chess of leaking yeah, there's no way CM Punk is coming here. Um, we don't want him here. And then he shows up. I think they've never said they don't want him. And then he so. shows up to cost Cody Rhodes the tight, uh, the match. I think my my view is um, actually they are a kind of set in motion that Randy could cost them the match. That would be if, Because... When they was talking, like when you know Cody was making the hints and everything, you could see Jay just like looking at him, like, "Oh fuck," because in storyline, the bloodline, the people who put Randy on the shelf a year and a half ago, 
So Jay has a unresolved beef with Randy. There is probably going to be a moment, if not during or at right after the match, he's going to get hit with an RKO. Whereas just Randy, just like, I don't forget. <laughs> just like, and it'll be set that up. But um, I think I've even said it here. I don't see the benefit of bringing Punk in before you would do the Rumble or before, or I don't see the reason to bring in Punk in. I've said this before until Mania, uh, Mania, the Raw after Mania. I've said that. We, we can't do this. We'll be here for another hour. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's just my I have thing. to get to my fake job. This is you my do. real job now. <laughs> Booking imaginary World Cups is my real job. <laughs> but, all right. <clears throat> Jack, yes. tell the people where they can find you. Check me out at uh, jacksimonmakes.com. You got all my writing, all my music videos I've directed, all my documentaries that I've directed. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Jack Doc Simon. Yes. And you can find me. Life of Deem is a pretty much everything online. Um, you can also now, we just started a Twitter. There ain't not a damn thing tweeted. Right. But Shout by the time you would see this and hear this episode, we should have some stuff tweeted. But Punk you can follow us. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Romance Podcast, W R, you know, Romance Podcast. And you can also follow us on Instagram Wrestling with Romance. It's been a great episode, guys. We will see you next week. We are out. Deuces. Deuces.